0: Hello and welcome to Almost Thirty
1: Podcast. Hi, everybody. It's Lindsay and Krista. Welcome to the show. A Few more days. Few more days, baby. Few more days. Blows up. We're host. We're hosting the ball drop. Tune yes. in. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine was, if we were asked?
0: <laughs> I was laughing about member um, two thousand. Of course. I was. I was babysitting at two thousand when the ball dropped, and I remember. Oh I'm man, like, you were going to die, and you were babysitting. I was, was going to die, and I was babysitting. <laughs> And it's so funny that everyone was like... The explanation was like, so there's zeros and they're all going to be zeroed out and there's too <laughs> many zeros and then everything's going to go blank. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? What? Like how unsophisticated was our technology that they're like, it can't handle this many zeros. They're like last time it it was this many zeros was the year 1900. You're like, what?
1: When everything's zero, nuclear bomb goes off and then all the oceans swallow themselves and we'll be gone. (laughs) Yes, yes.
0: yes. (laughs) And you're just like, oh, that, you know, I remember, I literally remember thinking when they were like, so in 1900, there were zeros in the bank and now there's going to be three zeros. I remember being like, that makes sense. Like, <laughs> I remember being like, oh yeah, that is too many zeros.
1: <laughs> but I actually don't remember what the explanation was for end of world Y2K. I, I don't actually remember. actually kind of like, need to say it. Like what?
0: Like, we need to like, kind of bring that back. We need to bring it but back because of the fear that it incited. Uh, you know what's funny is that was like, okay, so, <laughs> so here was Y2K. The flaw faced by computer programmers and users all over the world on January 1st, 2000 is also known as the millennium bug. The letter K, which stands for kilo, a unit of thousand is commonly used to represent the number thousand. so Y2K was the year thousand. So it was a programmer bug with the computers where they had the too many zeros.
1: Okay. And does that mean that the world is over? Or like,
0: what did that... Is that what they said? okay. Okay. Before 2000, many computer programs allocated space for only two digits in the year instead of four. So 1998 was 98, 1999 was 99, and so on. And once 2000 arrived, computers would have to read the year as 1900 and potentially (laughs) wipe out data and lock out computer systems. What? We're so stupid. (laughs) Literally, what Kind of technology were we working with? Were there like two numbers? Okay, three numbers? Too much? Like what kind of computer system that is? That like we that we are trusting with our money?
1: Holy shnikes. And also going back to nineteen hundred, really? One hundred percent.
0: What would everything banks? everything would like time travel and just go back? In this? Did we have? And we didn't even have banks with numbers. With money. You know what I mean? I know. There like wasn't a digital money system in 1900.
1: I feel like I remember like holding my breath, like quite literally I holding did my breath. At I did too. When the ball dropped, like like as if I was passing yes. a graveyard. And yes. like,
0: <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> you're going through a portal. <laughs> you're like, you literally were like, you on the other side. <laughs> oh my God. I literally could not um, believe that. that. Dude, that makes me hopeful. Because I'm like, wow, we were that dumb and we fell for that. So I'm like... But we did like... Yeah, I guess, did we fall for it? Maybe people I pray got- I agree that there was people that were part of their resistance that were like, hey, everyone.
1: But also like, that was the first time maybe that I was, okay, so that was a lot of hubbub I, for nothing.
0: I completely, 100% <laughs> agree. I was, I remember that too. I was babysitting and I think I stayed up and I was waiting for the parents or something. And I was like, nothing. I literally remember nothing changed. Zero. Nothing changed. Nothing happened. And I'm trying to think of... Actually, that's a good kind of game to think about what sort of things have happened over time that have gotten us in that state of panic and fear. And then you... I'm trying to think of like which one it was that was like, oh, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. Mm. I know. Good question. I know. That is a good question. I think they happen almost every day at this point. um, Yeah, that's In the world. Yeah, that's true. Where I'm like, okay, I'm I'm unsubscribing to these continued advancements of whatever it is they're trying to yeah. portray. But but yeah, you have to eventually be like, hey, I'm going to reclaim my nervous system, Y2K. I'm not subscribing. And it's funny because we were like 12. like I, I didn't have a bank account. I know. I was like...
1: And then BSB came out with the Y2K tour. I was like, oh, I get it now. I was like, that makes sense. Like, that's why... Well, they- I-
0: <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Wow. What kind of... That's actually kind of weird. You know, my little researcher brain is like, hmm... Who was trying to push the Y two K narrative? Definitely how not Backstreet
1: u- Boys. Okay, leave them and alone. And how were
0: they using? Uh, yeah, how, that's actually uh, that's to be my new m- thing. Was like but who, the music was the y- m- who was pushing music. the Y two K narrative? And how did the music industry like play along with that? You know how people were like building their bunkers. They're like toilet paper. Oh my god! This, yes. that, and the other thing, and. Could I was that. even telling... I remember the beginning of pandemic, like texting with... Um, I was like thinking I was texting with like Lacey and Jenna or something. You know, everyone was like very much in touch. Yes. At the beginning of the pandemic. Yes. Which is very darling and romantic. But I was like, ladies, prepare. We're going to go offline for a few days. And I remember, oh, I literally remember being, that. Remember that? I, I mean, we talked about it too, but I was like... I think like, I told my family and they were like, She's crazy still. <laughs> Dude. Dude, it's so embarrassing. That happened to me. I think that I was only told... I think that happened to me once and I was like, no more will I do this. I'm not going to keep pushing. I'm not going to keep pushing the goalposts. I'm not going to keep being like, it's going to happen now. But... It's going to happen now. I think it was a tip from a psychic friend of ours. Oh. No? Mm. Wasn't it? That,
1: that's factual. That's So I was factual. actually believing it more than just, you know, a, a headline. Wow. I was That's like, so "Well, factual. Okay. So I was like giving insider info to like my siblings and they're like, they're like, hey, tap back. Music. Like, sure.
0: <laughs> I remember, I was getting a massage at, Letitia got us massages. Mm-hmm. So I got, have you gotten yours? Oh yeah, years ago. <laughs> okay, good. Years ago. So I couldn't get the pandemic, so I didn't get it. yeah, yeah. So I was getting it and this woman was just, I let people kind of say what they want to say and express how they want to express. And she was just one of those people that was totally on the, a conspiracy train, which a lot, you know, mm-hmm. are to be explored at this point. But it was like her saying, like, she's saying something like about Trump being president again. She's like, I think by this time Trump's president again. I was like, hey, okay. <laughs> you've gotta, you've gotta. I just was like, also, hey, whatever. My traps
1: need to relax. Can you Honestly,
0: just. Dude, I was thinking that I'm like, this is not what I want. I'm like, in, gosh, in conversation with someone about that when you're getting a massage. It's almost like you're, you're kind of fearful. Yeah.
1: You know, you're like, dang.
0: Yeah. You're just like, oh man, I don't this is not, but it's like the level of, yeah, I don't know, whatever. But anyways, yeah, Y2K is a good, it's a very good (laughs) LL. You know, it's interesting just on the psychic piece. I was about um the prediction of the power going out. I've been reading by Tina Zion. It's called Advanced Medical Intuition. And Mm -hmm. it really clarified for me what psychics do, and they very much tap into and I think. Everyone knows this, but it helped me that I just understood it differently this time about tapping into timelines. And so when we hear about the words timelines, it really is like there are multiple timelines available and multiple multiple paths we could take. So I could close the computer right now and then do something else. And that would be a completely different timeline than Mm -hmm. if we were to continue the conversation and um, finish recording at whatever time. And so it's like she was reading into something that was kind of true in a quantum physics sense sense because it was a timeline that had a possibility. But there is more energy on just two certain timelines than there are to others. Yeah. So even for the woman that's giving me a massage, like in her head, there's a timeline that exists of that. And in the quantum reality, there are timelines that exist of whatever capacity of however amount. And I was thinking about that with that. I'm like, oh, well, they are psychics are reading into timelines. So they mm. are reading into one timeline that has been created. It doesn't mean it's the right one. And because we can choose with our free will like there would have been the possibility that the power would have went out it didn't happen because of you know our free will choices or whatever it was so i don't know i just kind of was able to see it a little bit differently where i'm like oh that's very interesting mm-hmm. and helps people can also who work with psychics like it's not the end all be all it never is like you actually have the free will choice to choose whatever timeline that you want to subscribe to or go with
1: yeah yeah cuz sometimes you can hear something and then your Subsequent action or the way you live is kind of according to that prediction. And then it becomes a little, it could be great or it
0: could be a little crazy. So, yeah, I think that free will part is. I'm actually, it's a great question. I'm trying to think of like what's something that I've done because a psychic told me. Like, what's its psychic timeline that I've, you can, I feel like I can usually tell if it's not, but I think a good reading sometimes will kind of make you annoyed where you're like, totally. "Um, They're like, yeah, it's not really time yet. Yes. Or something yes. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you're just like, yes, exactly. Like, or they're like, that person, you know, that's not the right mm-hmm. person, or, you know, that's not the right location, or, you know, you're putting a little too much. It's like, those are actually, I've remembered the times where I've gotten readings and I've kind of been, even with Kiki, when I've been like, oh man, that's not true and then, you know, she's like this is going to be the hardest year of your life. You ready? And you're like, <laughs> no, honestly. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and then or the one thing with the that one call where it was about the mediator mm-hmm. or, you know, a mm-hmm. conversation that we would have with as a business. And I was like, whoa, dude, that's fucking crazy. Cuz I was like, that I am not hearing this right now. I know that, that was a timeline. That was definitely a timeline. That was a timeline that needed to be collapsed and burned. Yeah. That uh, that timeline that we fed a lot. you guys can think about times in your life and even relationships or situations and think about how much your actual energy and your psychic energy Mm -hmm. feeds a timeline is actually crazy. Mm -hmm.
1: Especially with like dating. I feel like, you know, if I was dating someone, I would oftentimes try to like make it work where I'm like seeing the possibility of this working while at the same time, not seeing the just really clear red flags or just clear misalignment and then you're kind of feeding the wrong timeline and then it's like, it stalls a little bit and you're like, okay, got it. 100%. Eventually it works itself out, but it's like, it Always. is a little annoying.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's like, it's hard because that's like so much fun. Creating those timelines totally. and just like living in those made up <laughs> timelines is so fun. Totally. You're like, oh man, their mom loves horseback riding. Like I cannot wait to horseback ride with her <laughs> over the holidays. Like it's going to be incredible. <laughs> you know, you just like, that's why we're, women are such like little sloops. You can find everything else. Like, oh, there's a sister that, you know, works at whatever. And you're like, okay, oh I'm going to like, yeah, do this with her. And you just like, I used actually, to do that all the
1: time. Crazy making.
0: Yeah, crazy making. But I have actually, since my my dreams have been so crazy, I think you were talking about that too. And I've been really just loving the vibe of my dreams lately. And I was thinking about it. It was kind of reminded me of the feeling when you have that sort of, option to opt out of reality Mm -hmm. (laughs) and how how nice an option to opt out of reality is sometimes and that's like when you are in love with someone you first fall in love with someone or you know you're dating or you have like you know a new career that you're obsessed with or all these sort of things and you can just like kind of sit around and just stare and opt out of reality through the dreaming or like fantasizing about these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah mine have been so
1: so vivid normally I can't really recall them. I can just recall like feelings or like sort of where I am, but yeah, it's been super interesting and long. They're very long lately. Whoa! I don't. I have no idea why, but I also think it's been helpful like not being on Instagram and kind of flipping through so quickly everyone else's life like that flip, 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 which is usually kind of what my dreams are where it's like flip, flip, flip. Um, so I don't know if that's correlated at all, Definitely. but-
0: yeah, super interesting. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. In some of my dreams, I've been like on a cliff and like in a beautiful space and I'm literally trying to grab my phone to take pictures <laughs> It's horrifying. I'm like, in my I'm like, no, I've got to get a great photo for it. I've got to get this. But in my dreams lately, I've been in school and in, in middle school or high school and I haven't finished high school. Oh. And I need to finish high school. And they keep saying you're not, you haven't finished your classes. And I'm like, no, but I have a business now. Like I'm yeah, I'm an adult. I'm and I have a <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't think you guys have seen I have a business. So like I don't need these classes. And I had to keep proving to them that I like passed. I'm like, this is so weird wait that's hilarious i know and i want to go back and be like i don't need your school go back and just middle finger the whole i don't need your school (laughs) listen to my podcast (laughs) just burn it down Uh, yeah those ones it's like that little a little bit of stress though that stress of like oh yeah yeah it's like that only stress that you feel when you're in school and you have Mm -hmm. a paper an exam or like a Mine's, it's kind mine's of like money too.
1: Like at school, um, like a performance at school where it's like, you have to go on tonight and like I have no idea what the
0: lines are. Like it's that pressure yes, of... yeah, Yes. Yes. I'm unprepared. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. this is out of control. Anyways. So Y2K. LOL. Um, I'm excited. This one so is good. a good one. It's going to be so great. Tiffany on our team who was our operations manager for so long, operations director for a long time, actually helped facilitate this. So I'm really excited and I've been a fan of Quigley's work for a long time. Like I I think if you're new to the pod, so I was doing like a little bit of like blogging for a while, probably 6 or so years ago when we first started the pod. And it was more in like the lifestyle, fashion kind of space and she was someone that I really looked up to. Quigley was someone that like Really, 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 um, was doing things different and had like such a creative eye and was so expressive and was someone that like I was very much inspired by and it's cool to see her evolution, you know, over the years with her husband and with their baby Max and talking about mental health and um, really just like marrying her unique creative artistic perspective with the way that she lives her life and the way that she communicates with her audience. I just really, really love.
1: Yeah, we had such. Such a good time. She came in person. And I just love, yeah, I think her evolution as an artist um and a storyteller has just been so cool to track because, you know, you think you need to be consistent in one thing. And she's kind of proven that you can truly always be evolving. I mean, you look back at some of her photo shoots and yeah. I mean, they are epic, like fairy tale. Epic. Like it truly it truly transports you, and then in the next breath, you know you can see her with her son in her backyard. Like there is a range to this human, and you know on the in between, the stuff that she doesn't necessarily share all about. Um, you know she's working through in real time and in her own way, sharing kind of like the lessons gleaned, and um, whether it's in her relationship with her husband, or postpartum, or even during her pregnancy. Um, we cover it all in this conversation. I, I really enjoy just her honesty and vulnerability. And um, we laughed a lot. So I think mm-hmm. y'all, if you don't know, Quigley are
0: going to fall in love with her. Yes, you can find her on Instagram. It's officially Quigley. I really love her content around uh, mental health and her baby and her relationship. I just find it to be really refreshing. And I really love to bring on people like her because I think it kind of pulls back the curtain like we say on being an influencer on being an online creator on being um, someone that is really living their lives really publicly and in front of others and I think we always get so curious about about that and I feel like it's really good to just kind of see how someone lives their life and how someone shows up when they are so public
1: yeah you can learn more not only on her Instagram but at com. she also offers her social media course mm-hmm. S-O-U-L Um, so you can check that out as well. But thanks again quickly. We love you. Thank you all for listening. If you are new to Almost 30, be sure to check out almost30.com for more from Krista and myself. Um, We have Camp Almost 30 coming up in January, January 22nd, 2022. It's an all-day virtual event. It is completely free. Thousands of you all over the world join for truly a -a once-in-a-lifetime lineup we're super proud of the lineup this year. You can find out more, read more about who's joining us and how to reserve your spot at almost com slash camp.
0: Yeah, last year we had over 10,000 of you sign up and it just really creates this beautiful energy for the start of the year when we're feeling like maybe a little bit tired from the holidays, wanting to set goals, wanting to... Get ready for an amazing 2022 and not really sure where to start. So this is going to have great resources for astrology, relationships, um, shadow work, and so much more. And Lindsay and I really, really love putting on this free event for you, little campers. All right, y'all enjoy this episode. We will see you
1: on the other side. Major announcement from Almost 30. We are hosting Space Camp on January 28th. This is our favorite event of the year. Camp Almost 30 has gotten a little bit of a rebrand because we were feeling like, I think we're ready to really go there with our community. So we are welcoming guests who we feel have really taken us to a whole other planet in our interviews and in our conversations with them. So guests like Brie Melanson, she is going to be doing a workshop on psychic development. Find and tap into your gifts. She is a teacher and channel and one who has really been such a support and teacher for Chris and I throughout the years. We are welcoming Jordan Younger. So she is going to help us find our galactic Origins. She is the podcast host of the Balanced Blonde Podcast. She's an author. She's a spiritual teacher. We're also welcoming Lee Harris, who recently was on the podcast in a two-part episode, and he is going to channel the Z's live for us. How special! He does not do this often, so we feel very, very, very lucky. And we will also be welcoming Sandra Walter. So she is going to be teaching on Ascension One Hundred and One. The crystalline grid and higher realm support. She is so special. She's a light worker and teacher and has been on the podcast. And Krista and I are going to be sharing a very, very, very special experience heavenly coated Reiki infused sound bath. And I'm excited for you all to join us. So this is happening on January 28th from 10 to 2 p.m. PST. Make sure you sign up. Space is limited, but it's absolutely free absolutely free. We're excited to welcome you. And this is the kickoff to membership opening. So membership is going to be open indefinitely now. So you can join membership for six months at a time and really, really focus uh, and support your growth. It is our favorite place to just come and be ourselves and really get super intimate with you all, more intimate than on the podcast. So I'm excited for you all to join the membership, but head to almost30.com slash space dash camp. That's almost30.com slash space dash camp, space dash (laughs) camp. Say that 30 times. almost30.com slash space dash camp to sign up for camp. Absolutely free. We will
0: see you on January 28th. I've been a fan of yours for so long even when I was blogging and then you were too. <laughs> and so we both have that blogging background and then Lindsay is also a singer and performer and I know you are too. So there's so many parts of our like backgrounds that relate, but I think even in the past couple of years just your journey with mental health and your marriage being so open about that has been so like eye-opening for me. It's been so inspiring for me so i'm excited to dig into all those topics today me too (laughs) long time coming and we sometimes we don't do this but i actually think it's really
1: important for our listeners too because i feel like telling parts of your story that from your perspective are like i don't know just the Mm -hmm. the quickly the quickly you like look back on and you're like wow okay
0: like, was that person. yeah, mm-hmm.
1: you know, and, and you've had so many iterations of you, um, which I love and is so relatable. So in whatever way feels like natural, can you kind of take us back to, yeah, whatever point I, I'm thinking like, you know, performance days, mm-hmm. um, yeah, whatever point feels like natural to Let's you. Let's go
2: through the evolution yeah. of Yeah, I kind of love that. <laughs> and that's really fitting for you guys because I feel like the common mm-hmm. thread in your podcast is growth and change. Mm-hmm. So we'll kick off by saying I started on American Idol when I was 19. Mm-hmm. And coming from Minnesota, I, I thought I was going on a TV show. Mm-hmm. But it like... Or I thought I was going to a competition, singing competition. Turned out it was a TV show, mm-hmm. you know? So... I learned a lot at a very young age and I always say I felt kind of chewed up and spit out after the show because I just was through such a cosmic sort of life-changing event and then back to Minnesota Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it changed me a lot. I was very confused about music, if I even wanted to do music or sing anymore and I just sort of went back to school, got a general degree in journalism and wasn't... I didn't really have an intention of going into the journalism world. I just wanted a liberal arts degree. And then I moved out to LA and was sort of dabbling in the music world. I wrote for a while and eventually started taking photos for my music to promote it and collaborated with different photographers in creative ways. And that was around when Instagram was sort of taking off. And so my following just kind of creeped up because I was having a lot of fun taking photos with friends, dressing up. And my mom showed me this article one day. She was like, hey, do you know bloggers make money? Like, there's this one girl, she made $500,000 in a year. And
1: I was like, whoa, I could do that. It's funny because I mean, like be parents f- are normally like, yes, 100%. I don't get it. So that's very cool that your mom <laughs> yes. <this."> Oh, my <laughs> mom is
2: very hip. So she was like, you should try this. She also was a fashion major too when she was younger. So she was like, this is a whole new world for creative women mm. to, you know, showcase their identity. Go for it. So I started a blog 2015 called Officially Quigley. And that blog evolved from being just about fashion to now being more like a personal diary of, Relationships, mental health, and me finding my identity amidst that. And now it's about motherhood because I just became a mama.
0: Yeah, in the the American Idol journey, did you go back? Were you depressed? Like, was that like how was your mental like how was your mental health played a role in the earlier stage of your life before maybe you knew what was happening and before you had got on medication and stuff like that?
2: So after Idol. I was really confused because as an artist, I felt squashed. I felt told by the judges that I was not a good singer. Obviously, I got kicked off the show and very confused about the way that I was presented in the media. If you aren't familiar with what happened, which you probably won't because it was literally 10, 15, almost 15 years ago. I. Went on the show, and the press media sort of dug up some bikini photos that I had taken when I was in college. And they, it was on TMZ. It was like, oh, the shocking scandal of this, you know, young girl who is like, oh, like sexy. And I was like, I did the bikini photos because it was like a fundraiser for breast cancer research. (laughs) And I as which is teenager, an interesting thing. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I, as as a teenager, I had one boob for like five years, and so when the second one grew in, I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> yes. heck yeah,
0: like, someone needs to shoot this. Someone <laughs> needs to see this. <laughs> yes.
2: So, anyways, I was really confident about my body, and I was really mm-hmm. proud of those photos. Then I go on Idol, and it's like this scandal. And when I even when I spoke with the judges in real life, they were like, everybody loves you. All the men think you're so hot. You're really the whole package. And they really made it about my looks and not about the potential Mm -hmm. for me as an artist. And that really felt like I was reduced to being a body. So that's something that I can say 10 years later where I've reflected on it. But I don't think I really understood at that time how that impacted my identity. And when I look... Back on my early 20s, I realized that a lot of the decisions that I made were based on fear of being judged for the way that I looked. Mm.
1: I still don't understand like why digging up those pictures was like... So it was
0: crazy. You in yeah. a bathing suit? Oh, like, yeah. Well, yeah, well, well, <laughs> no, I literally... So, so I went, they don't get so it, was it. like she's sexy and in a bathing suit? Well, it, they were <laughs> professional photos. Okay. So yeah. it, was, it
2: was for a swimsuit yeah. calendar.
0: Yeah. Okay, and cool it's, yeah. it's just like an bad. odd.
2: I guess thing. at that time that was scandalous.
1: TMZ in the press is just so crazy. I don't see the dots connected. Well, We're like, talking about. Are we trying weird. to like
0: get you off of your campaign of running for contestant <laughs> on American <laughs> it's, Idol? It's like Have a you ever very seen weird Jesus thing. Camp? It's hmm. like this show about. It's like a documentary about how a lot of middle America is very religious in a specific way that we don't even really realize being on coastal cities. And it reminds me of that where there's just so many people that that's not okay, I guess, yeah. to show your body in that are watching and part of that community.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't even a judgment because a lot of the press were like not saying mean things. Uh, okay. It was just like,
0: look at what we found. Wow. <laughs> and,
2: you know, they were saying nice things like she's really pretty and like mm. she can sing too, which is a plus. But it felt like the headline was yeah, you know
0: yes yes. Of course. Did you ever like? Weren't you underage in those photos?
2: No, I was nineteen. <laughs> but I mean, I don't. I,
0: I guess Are, I don't in know. The, in the photos, you were, were you younger though?
2: Uh, no, no. I think I 19. was
0: nineteen. I actually don't remember. Oh. I was either seventeen or eighteen. Hmm. I shouldn't know if you were underage. I'm like, dude, that would still be the press. Like, oh my god, photos. And it's like showing everyone the photos. Yes. there I must
2: have been 18 because I don't think they would have let me down the counter if I wasn't. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm curious though, like during that process and even just, I don't know if you, I'm sure you auditioned a lot outside of American Idol and it's just that feeling of like waiting to be picked. Did you ever like have an awareness around that or what was like your self-talk back then? I was actually extremely confident before Idol.
2: I was extremely confident. I was the manifest queen. Mm. I actually have a specific memory of riding up a chairlift at this place called Highland Park in Minnesota on my snowboard. And like a little kid cut me off. And I remember shouting at him, you're going to be sorry because I'm going to be on American Idol someday.
1: (laughs) I love that. Uh,
2: Like true story. (laughs) I used to just talk to people, talk to people and say, oh, I'm going to be on American Idol. It was just a fact. Wow. Um, wow. But yeah, after the show, I really, that confidence and that like young woman mm. fierceness, that mm-hmm. wildness, mm-hmm. totally crushed,
0: slashed, ripped to pieces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like in um, Women Who Run With The Wolves, she mm-hmm. talks about that like process of the woman. It's like, she calls it losing your psychic hands. And it's like that part of the journey where you lose that like naive fierceness that you have as like a little girl or that openness or that lovingness or that creativity. And it's just like something we all go through. I think we all have that magic in us and then we kind of lose it along the way. Mm. But after Idol happens and and you start blogging and you're sort of in this space, were you then like full-time influencer? What was that journey like? And then I do want to talk about eventually like influencer misconceptions because I think I've wanted to talk about this before about what it's like to be quote unquote an influencer. So what was the influencer journey like after you found blogging?
2: So the significant part here is that I was in the middle of the exit from the music industry. And that was this very painful process because it was a lifelong dream to be a musician, to be a singer. I wanted to be a pop star more than anything. And going through the experience of realizing that that dream was not going to happen, and I felt like it was because of men, was... Really confusing because it was convoluted with a couple of relationships that I had with musicians. I had two long-term relationships with musicians that were unhealthy and that made me feel like I should not be in the music industry. Um, there were a lot of writing experiences where I went into rooms with producers that I just felt like they just wanted to sleep with me, and I, I couldn't be my fierce wild self without them assuming that I wanted more with them. That being said, I did learn to produce music from one of those ex-boyfriends and that is the best gift he could have ever given me because at this point in my life, if I ever do return to music, I have the power of knowing how to produce and I never will have to depend on a man to make my art again. Mm -hmm. So that I will always be thankful for. But there was so much resentment that I was holding on to that I would go, I'd come home from writing sessions and I would just cry. Mm -hmm. And I didn't enjoy the process of making music anymore. So I was seeking a different creative outlet that wasn't dependent on men and that would bring me back to just a place of joy when I was making art. And that's what doing these stupid little photo shoots where I dressed up in my mom's clothes from the 80s and met up with strangers on Instagram kind of evolved into. And because of that, it came from a place of not trying to create something, but trying to heal myself. Mm. So that presented its own sort of set of issues when I tried to turn it into a business, right? Because there was no service. It was just, I'm posting pictures and playing dress up for me. (laughs) So I had to, at some point, ask myself, how am I going to help people? And that's where sharing more of a deeper story took center stage because I took the things that i used to write about in my music and i started putting them into my captions and i realized okay i think people actually relate to this more mm. than you know just a fancy picture of me with a
1: ball gown in a fancy place so i leaned into that yeah it's it's actually it's fascinating because i do think and you create this there's this realness but there's also this like
0: beauty mm-hmm.
1: in the way that you create, not only are you beautiful, but you also just have this like eye for real beauty, whether it's landscape, fashion, all the things. And I I do think that people seek that and like honor that. Thank you. How, did you ever, did you ever kind of get consumed with trying to make it a thing that made you money before actually just letting it kind of like evolve into what it's supposed to become? Because it always gets a little tricky when you're like, I gotta make money. (laughs) Oh yeah, there was a
2: period for sure. Well, I was working at a few different bars in Hollywood. So to make ends meet when I first moved to LA, I was like hustling, waiting tables, did bottle service. I was a bartender, I did it all. In the nightlife world. Bottle and service girls. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I know, dude. Let's we see have your sparklers, best. Tommy. We're the sparklers. Yeah, let's
0: see your best. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I gotta show you a video after this that'll oh, make Frankie you laugh. Thompson. We could, <laughs> we could talk girls. probably about our bottle
2: service stories for
1: a hundred percent. I love that.
2: <laughs> but it was wonderful because I could do that at night, make, pay all the bills through bottle service, and then um, do my art during the day, which mm-hmm. was wonderful. But I definitely got to this point where I would look at the women who were making money and full-time bloggers and be like,
1: how? Mm-hmm. How do
2: I do that? And so I tried to be like everyone else. And I tried to learn their formula and repeat their formula. And that process made me fucking...
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so there yeah. was definitely that chase for, I want to say like two, eh, one year, one and a half years where I was looking at people like Brocky Barnes and Sincerely Jules, And I was like, how do I emulate this formula? And it, it really drove me crazy because my strength was something totally different that I hadn't uncovered yet. And that was this vulnerability and transparency that I wanted to finally show people. Yes. Yeah, yeah it is. Mm-hmm. It's that
0: I think you'll kind of all have to go through that because I even with blogging a little bit just went through that period where I was like, oh, all I'm doing is buying clothes and taking pictures of them. And I was like, I don't like this. Like this isn't fun or interesting or... And it's like te- thought, thought, felt like lying to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm, this feels dishonest because I'm not here in this environment wearing this outfit. I'm about to change in my car and like do all these things. Totally. You're like, oh, this isn't glamorous or sexy or... I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel like my strengths were being utilized, like you said. What I had to listen to was the way that I consume content.
2: Yeah. So when I see other people in wonderful outfits, in wonderful places, I feel jealous sometimes. And mm-hmm. I asked myself, do I want to make other people feel jealous? Mm-hmm. And the answer was no. Mm-hmm. I want for someone to see my post and feel moved. I want someone to see my post and feel inspired. And so I just decided yes. that, okay, who are the people that are doing that? To me, mm-hmm. and those are the people that I started going. Okay, what what formula are they doing? How can I make
0: that my own? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it is interesting with your voice because when you read a caption that you write, it's so your voice, and that's the thing that's interesting about social media and people that want to grow followings or people that want to connect with an audience or people that want to just express themselves authentically. It's just, there's such an energy to truth that people can feel or see or experience. And I know, like, if I have a caption that like I don't even think about that just comes through and I write it, I'm like, that's going to be amazing. But when you're trying too hard or forcing it or thinking you have to do it a certain way, it doesn't ever land. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. The energy behind it's so weird. Oh, yeah. I think writing is a muscle. And, yeah. and some people
2: really love writing. It comes really naturally to them. And some people, it's it's hard. And unfortunately, that... Sort of comes across the wrong way sometimes. And mm-hmm. and that's why I never tell anyone that they sound fake or they sound like. Yeah, I know. Because what you mean. I, it's always, people are always trying. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that effort just don't pay off as, mm-hmm. as eloquently as it does for mm-hmm. other people. But yeah, it can feel forced. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am always like, okay, well, they're trying. Yes. <laughs> totally. <laughs> what are,
1: they're I trying wanna to be genuine. What stands out as like the biggest misconceptions that people might have?
2: I would say one of them is that we make our money through affiliate links. So that like the bulk of our income just comes from other people purchasing products that we recommend. And that's like... That was (laughs) not at all. That was maybe true for like a minute when this Mm -hmm. industry started. But now it's really brand partnerships and or influencers who start their own businesses.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like the affiliates. I remember when I first started, there was like, what is reward style? Mm -hmm. Like to know it, Mm -hmm. whatever and i just remember being like this is such a scam yeah i mean it's a it's a nice I think it tool it works for people mm-hmm. but for, for me people. i was like this felt weird and it just was actually like way more challenging like way more organizationally dependent than i thought yeah i was like what uh,
1: mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of people are like oh they probably have someone write their stuff mm-hmm. or, or like or reply or to write to their DMs. blogs yeah yeah you don't
0: reply to people
2: so there is a amount Of messages that we have that we respond to. And I say we as in me and my assistant, Cassie. Mm
1: -hmm. There's
2: an amount of messages that we will go through and she will help me categorize them. So if it's a question about something that I'm wearing, she'll respond with a link. Mm -hmm. If it is an inquiry about a brand partnership or some sort of collaboration, she will send over my manager's information. But... The majority of t- the time, it is a personal message that is something that I really want to respond to. And so she'll cat- she'll flag those and they'll go into a folder and then that's how I can sift through them. And generally, I send back video response or a voice memo response.
1: Yeah, voice memos are the...
2: Yes. I always get a <laughs> so little nervous though. Yeah. Well... No, and you just have to accept that you can, yes. you can mm-hmm. get to what you can get to, but you also have to have your own boundaries and your own limits because... I have a one-year-old at home, so yeah, mm-hmm. I gotta be present
0: for him. Too. What's totally. that? Ba- what's the boundary conversation for you, and kind of navigating being a uh, someone who's so- supposed to be online all the time, paid to be online, paid to be like sharing with people? Like, what's your boundary conversation? How has that evolved,
2: girl? It's a challenge, mm-hmm. and I want to say I have a structure figured out, and I want to say. I know what it is. But generally, the rule of thumb is just listen to my intuition. Mm -hmm. And when I'm feeling overwhelmed and I'm feeling like I'm drowning in the pressure, I have to take a break and I have to step away. And generally what that looks like is just taking a couple of days off of stories. (laughs) Everyone's like, oh, a couple of days. But sometimes it's even just one day and I feel a reset. And sometimes when the DMs are too flooded, I take like a full week off of responding Mm -hmm. to things.
1: And what about the conversation with your husband because I can imagine like I don't know how comfortable he's seemingly comfortable (laughs) with being on camera but you know we we never know what's happening behind the scenes as far as like sharing and what feels comfortable between you two is there like a check-in that you do or how does that work
2: it's actually really interesting because we don't align on a lot of things but the openness that we feel about our lives and our relationships we're on the exact same page oh that's we are both an open book when it comes to that. There are a couple of things that I'll check in. I'll be like, hey, is it cool that I share this? For example, last night, he, I was in the She Shed doing some work and mm-hmm. he started texting me photos of Timothy Chalamet's face and I was like, question mark, what? <laughs> and he was like, just trying to get you in the mood. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this so is it. I screenshotted and I put on my stories because I thought it was fucking hilarious. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, is that okay? He was like, sure. He's
0: like, whatever. (laughs) Have you ever crossed the line?
2: Uh, So I would say the only line we ever cross, or the only line that I don't want to cross too much is when it comes to politics. Mm, Yeah, Um, totally. Because on one hand, I really, really want to inspire people. But on the other hand, I want to be respectful of people's opinions and not get too righteous. So I won't go... I won't be
0: as frank as if I were talking to like a girlfriend Mm -hmm. or a family member. Sure. Yeah, completely agree. I think that was like our transition too, especially when it was so hot during the election time. It was like, there's just things that... There's things I want to say. There's things I want my audience to know about me. There's things I want them to know about what I believe, but I don't ever want to tell people what to do in any way. Mm -hmm. And it didn't feel right to be pressing my opinion based on my experiences, based mm-hmm. on my background, on anyone that hasn't had that set of experiences and background. Right. Do you ever feel pressure from people? Absolutely. To comment yeah. on things. Every Just... single
2: social event that happens, everything that happens in the news, if I do not yeah. post about it, I will get at least five people saying, why haven't you talked about or
1: addressed this yet? And
2: what do you...
0: Do you do how everyone? How do you
1: feel about
2: that? No.
0: Yeah. Okay. <gasps> yeah.
1: I
2: can't. Yeah, I know. I can't because like, I'm, I'm not... I'm not a journalist. Yes, I went to totally. school for journalism.
0: Yeah, thankfully. So I'm like, I'm not a geopolitical like <laughs> advisor. Everyone, <laughs> right? Like, I and, don't know. <laughs> and do I have an opinion?
2: Yes, but sometimes I don't because I'm I cannot consume the weight of it. I that is an excuse, I'm sure, to some people. But sometimes I just can't internalize it every single day, mm-hmm. and really. I, I just have to ignore those messages sometimes because when people slide into my DMs asking me, why haven't you done this yet? That's a reflection on them. And mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to be an agent of change um, by asking me and calling me to action. So I just go, good job. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're trying to do your part and that's great. Mm-hmm. I just can't right now.
1: Yeah. I never understood the that like just reaching out to someone one-on-one and saying, why haven't you done this? Like, what is that doing on (laughs) their part? So it's just hilarious. Just disempowers people. They're
0: they're making an effort in whatever way they think they know how. I agree, but But they're they're giving me the, like, what are you saying and doing about this? You Mm -hmm. know, like, I think it's like, you are just as powerful. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it could be them feeling like a sense of guilt themselves for not doing Mm -hmm. enough.
1: How will we ever do enough? A hundred percent. So true. Before we move into just more personal things, I feel like you are the expert as far as influencing goes Mm -hmm. um, and just real authenticity and showing up and creating and what advice would you have for anyone that is creating content online um, whether they are influencers or not, but what would you recommend?
2: I think my biggest thing and this is sort of the underlying message of my class, social media, is that it is such an incredible time right now. We are the first generation that has the opportunity to connect in the way that we are through social media. But there's so many toxic sides of it and so many unhealthy elements that go hand in hand with being in the public eye that a lot of people can be prevented from creating because of that fear that might go alongside with it. So my biggest thing is that I want to be able to show and help people get past those hurdles so that they can embrace and take full advantage of the opportunity that we have to connect with people on a wide scale level that has never been, you know, Mm -hmm. never happened in the history of ever before. Mm So my advice would be start before you are ready Mm -hmm. don't prepare, begin. That's not my quote. Can't remember who said it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I really love that. The biggest thing is we get in our own ways and we censor ourselves before we post something because we tell ourselves it's not good enough yet. Mm -hmm. But it will never be good enough if if you have that mindset. You have to just get out of your own way and create from the heart. Nobody cares about how great your camera is, how great your... Lighting is nobody really cares about the way it looks as much about, as they care about the way it makes them feel. Mm. So, if you're passionate about something, just open up your phone and talk at it mm-hmm. and practice just talking to the phone like you're talking to your best friend about something you're passionate about, and people will listen. Mm. Video is, is key to I
1: know. If you I, can
2: I get out of your own way and not be so afraid
0: to post video. Like on stories or reels or stories,
2: reels, TikTok. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. The future.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah.
2: I I can't take my own advice on this because I've been telling myself to be consistent about (laughs) that kind of stuff on TikTok. I feel like you are. Yeah. You're so. TikTok's like,
1: yeah. (sighs) Yeah. How do you feel about grandma?
2: I, well, it's, it's powerful. Yes. I think it has a different impact on people and it also, also has a different impact on a younger generation. Yeah, And to me, that's what really gets me going. Like, Mm. I just want to be a big sister mentor for so many years.
0: Mm.
1: So. You're killing it on TikTok. I'm, no. Yeah, you are. I'm okay. I think that's a good, you should have
0: a brand big sister mentor. (laughs) I know. Big sister mentor. It's like… Big sense of… Big B- sense of influence. Yes, yes. Yes. Big sense of influence. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you. But you create like tiny little influencers. <laughs> They're like… I love it. What about, actually, I love uh, Lindsay and I laugh at like photo shoots we've done because I think our, ours… Yours are all cool and… Yours are cool. cool. Ours okay. were wild. Is we'll there share any photo shoots we'll that you're later. like, yo, that was… <laughs> well, that sure. was an interesting vibe. Oh my God. So many. <laughs> I look back at a lot of the photo shoots and I go… Why? Uh, No, (laughs) why? why? Why?
2: What was the purpose (laughs) of this? This one time we went to Europe and I was like, I really want to fill a boat full of flowers. No, can't really (laughs) tell you why, but I just thought it would be beautiful. Um, So we (laughs) filled a boat full of flowers. We got a florist in Slovenia and we paddled that boat out into the middle of a beautiful lake. And we took some pictures. How much were the flowers? Oh, she did it for free. What? Wow. Yeah, a lot of people are, are chill to collab. So great. Um, right. And do stuff. Uh, you know, that's, everyone's participating forest. in yeah. Okay,
0: yeah, making legit. the art. Yeah, that's like, beautiful. <laughs> Ours is like wearing a fake Supreme hat and a jersey with jean <laughs> shorts. Oh, wait. Oh, here's a good one. I used to do mashups
2: um, where I would take two songs, mash them together yes. and cover them at the same time. And so me and my friend Janelle, we mashed up a Backstreet Boys and a One Direction song and mm-hmm. we put on like very 90s like <laughs> basketball like outfits yes. and went totally. and we like sang the song in the basketball court <laughs> neither of us play basketball <laughs> i don't know what we
0: were doing but it is hilarious i would fucking love that the spiky hair the mm. like cargo pants so 90s so 90s oh. the jerseys like the chain yep from one loop into the other <laughs> <Goodness>. <laughs> was it the other day you're like your sister was like i just found out that aaron carter is not mgk
1: yeah, my sister thought Machine <laughs> Gun Kelly was Aaron Carter for a long time. He's like, she's like, I thought Megan Kelly was dating Aaron Carter. I'm
0: like, Megan it. Fox.
1: Megan
2: Fox. Fox. <laughs> Megan oh, Meg- Kelly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who's Megyn Kelly? She is Megan Kelly I she think Kelly she's now. like on Fox. she's <laughs> <laughs> like on Fox losing. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Megan Fox and Megan Kelly. What's the, your subconscious, huh? No, but Megan Kelly. I grew. Okay, I actually
1: did bottle service with a girl named Megan oh, Kelly. You did. Okay, okay. Anyway. What's my misconception about bottle girls? <laughs> Ooh. Actually, didn't you learn a lot to being oh, in the God. service industry? Yes. I was a server for a long time. Yeah. But bottle girl. Bottle girl. I think. Well, it's it's like another level of service. It's, like, another level of service, but, like, strategy yeah, of carrying yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> in a certain way and being, like, highly aware because you're in a dark club bar situation. Absolutely. People aren't wasted. Yeah. You have to, like, be respectful of like not over-serving people, but then also like getting your money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, bottle service
2: was a trip and especially in Hollywood because you yeah. run into a lot. I've served so many celebrities. But it's actually surprising that I was able to really handle it because I, I had had some trauma in terms of mm-hmm. how I was treated by the way that I look. And it is a very looks-based oh, job. Yeah, yeah. And, you know... At the time, I was like, "Okay, this I can make money doing this." So, am I? You know, I struggled with it for a while. Like, mm-hmm. is this? How does this make me feel? Yeah. Um. But actually, at the end of the day, I really enjoyed the social element of it. it made me feel less I- isolated in such a big town. Totally. So, and then I ended up be- becoming such good friends with everybody that I worked with. That we just had this little community. Actually. All of my friends in LA, my true close friends are from in the it bar together. Industry, and you're there with them every night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trenches and
1: hang out. Some yeah, of my best friends yeah. are from that that season of my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you just like go through it. That's together. how Thomas and I met.
2: We met working at a bar. Really?
0: At the Grove. Really? What did cool. he was he was he, what was he doing? There? He was
2: a bartender and I was a cocktail server at this place called Mixology 101. Sale as old as time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's actually how my parents met too. What? Really? So that was kind of cute. That's fun cute. That is
1: freaking cute. And Okay, so yeah, I actually want to move forward a little bit into mm-hmm. when you met Alex. Yeah. At what point did you meet? So you're bartending or he's bartending your cocktail serving, but where were you in your like... Journey. Journey mm-hmm. of creativity. I was
2: engaged to a musician.
1: And at
2: the time, we had just gotten back from a tour where he told me that he was going to pay me for being his backup singer And then at the end of the tour, he was like, oh, sorry, the label's gonna like, basically, our numbers are gonna look like we went under if I pay you. So you're, are you okay with me not paying you? So I was like, oh,
0: yeah. Uh, Yeah, you're like, of course. Also, I
2: (laughs) don't have any money in my bank account because I just Mm. spent the last three months touring with you. So I had to get a job and that was the job that I got at the bar. And amidst this, I am seeing a therapist to end that relationship because it was an emotionally abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. And she kind of helped me realize that getting some financial independence was going to help me have the strength to leave him. Mm -hmm. So I get the job in January, I think. We, that summer, I I met Alex. We were friends. We were working together and he was my coworker. And I just thought he was the coolest person ever. I sat Mm -hmm. down next to him on the first day of training and I was like, this guy's going to be my best friend. (laughs) Little did I know I was right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was still going through this emotional trauma of being in an abusive relationship. So I finally, that fall, had the strength to call it off with my ex, call off the engagement. And I started seeing Alex a couple of months after.
0: And what was the healing like from that relationship? I'm still healing. Mm.
2: (laughs) I'm still healing. He was a really, really incredible mentor in my life. Like I said, I learned how to produce music um, from him and we had a deep spiritual connection one that I felt like we were cosmically called to be together mm-hmm. very artist oh yeah
0: yeah you know those musicians we sounds. would spend uh-huh.
2: all night writing music together music is my soul language so mm-hmm. we were I really felt connected in that mm-hmm. way with him yeah and so and therapy helped mm-hmm. therapy, therapy helped me but he was British and he didn't believe in therapy mm-hmm. and so he didn't want to go mm-hmm. and so I went on my own behind his back. Mm-hmm. He didn't even know. Wow. Wow. He might be learning <laughs> this fact as he listens we'll to the send podcast. It to him. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: and, how, and how do you, being in a relationship now in a marriage, it's like, how do you kind of navigate those moments where say, I don't want to say the unhealed, but it's just like that past experience in a relationship like that, it comes up because mm-hmm. I can imagine it's just it's hard for a partner to understand because they weren't there mm-hmm. and it's hard to kind of like separate the two, but it's so intertwined, obviously, because your body remembers it.
2: Yeah. Um. Luckily, mine was so closely related with this identity change with the music and the letting go of music that I felt like every time I talked about it with Alex, he was really understanding because it's also a loss of dreams in a way. Mm. So... I think he was just always super supportive and he was also going through a similar journey. He went to school for um, acting. Mm -hmm. He went to NYU and he lost his dad about a year into our relationship and in doing so, he also, there was this death of dreams in a way um, where he departed from the acting world. And so we were both going through similar experiences in an odd way and so it actually brought us closer together. Do you think (laughs) everyone knows what a bottle service girl is? Yeah, let's explain. Should we just break yes, this down? Yes. let break it down. So essentially, when you go to a club, you can purchase either a table at the club where it's a <laughs> private space for you to hang out with your friends, mm-hmm. or you can purchase a bottle of alcohol that will reserve that table for you. And the bottles of alcohol, instead of like being $40, are $400. Mm -hmm. And that covers essentially the private place for you to sit and hang out with your friends and pour your own drinks. Or have the bottle service girl pour those drinks for you. And it's never like cocktails. It's generally like, you know... Vodka, cranberry, mm-hmm.
1: cut crayon. And yeah. we will always ask, do you want sparklers or do you not want sparklers? <laughs> we <laughs> we what, <laughs> what, what was your
0: outfit? What was your outfit?
1: Mine was a an American apparel dress. It was white on top, black on the bottom, and it said Bounce Sporting Club.
0: What was yours? <laughs> we got to wear whatever
2: we wanted. Oh, what? really? Yeah,
1: I worked for the Houston Brothers. That's nice. No <laughs>
2: they are just chill. So they just wanted cool. us to look cool. Yes. Oh, that's
0: sick. I that's was in sick. Vegas for a bachelorette a few months ago, bathing suits. I was Ooh. like... God bless you. Coming, f- can you imagine going to work every day, being on your feet for eight hours in a bathing suit? I don't know how to keep the cute in check. I know, same, I know. Yo, the bo- I was like, the body hair, it's wow. It, well, honestly, I was just like, yo, I can't believe this. Every day?
1: <laughs> yeah. I have to be fully waxed. Have razor burn. I Con- yeah. Razor, I mean, you have to. Yeah, was- yeah you're
0: not- <gasps> So you guys, so you're working at the restaurant. What was, did you guys evolve... And did you evolve in your career together and you were leaning on each other? What was your evolution like as you sort of navigated this? So for
2: him, he went hard into the bartending world and actually got a corporate job working in marketing for different spirit companies. Mm -hmm. So he got a full-time job and had a bit of security. I, on the other hand, just like I said, I was taking photos, putting them on Instagram. I didn't really know what the intention there was. Um, For a little bit, it was just sort of experimentation. And then I finally got to a point where I felt confident enough to go full time. So I quit the bar job. And yeah, he was always extremely supportive. And he would, you know, he's used to being in front of the camera because of his acting background. So he wasn't that IG husband that was like, I'm going to take your photos now. But he was like, I'll be in front of the camera with you. (laughs) So we started planning our wedding. And that's actually the big transition. I look back on what we did for our wedding. And I got to step into the role of creative director for the first time. And that's when I, re- like a new strength in me came out because I was like, this is what I want for our wedding. I want a destination shoot where I wear at least 10 dresses mm-hmm. and we shoot them in beautiful <laughs> locations. And so I found a florist and I, you know, art directed this mm. extravagant shoot just because it was a dream of mine. Where was it again? It was in Arizona. Mm. And he was so along for the ride, and we had our actual wedding in Chicago in his mom, his parents' backyard. Nice. So uh, I think it was sort of like the trade off. Like we did the the wedding in the place I've always wanted, and we'll give you your destination, you know, photo mm-hmm. shoot. But he was just so accommodating and so patient with all of those shoots, and he was in every single one of them. We hiked to various mountains at 4 a.m. to get the lighting just right. And those photos ended up being the ones that got circulated on a lot of the
0: blogs Mm -hmm. that went viral. And I remember seeing Mm those. I remember seeing those. And then there's someone you shoot with. Is it like Jay-ZB photo or something? Mm -hmm. Yes. And you did like this, like, there was like a series of photo shoots that you did that I was like, oh. I'm trying to think of what it was. I'll know. It's probably in my saved. So she's my best mm-hmm. friend. Jordan mm-hmm. yes. is the photographer that I really grew with. And God, you guys are like amazing mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. We're
2: just, we creatively get each other on that level and we just have the best time. Yes. And so she became my partner in crime. Like a lot of people have their, their husbands that they do creative stuff. Alex and I are at each other's throats always when we're shooting. Yes. It's, we're... That is one stereotype that we totally fit the <laughs> bill on because we'll be like one second, like, "Oh my god, I love you, kissy kissy" for the photo, and then and then like when the cameras turn off, we'll be like, "Why did you touch my face like
1: that?" Yes, <laughs>
2: um, uh, that's real. And we like so we're so hot headed, we're so passionate, and we like are so mean to each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But Jordan and I, we're like just these little, Mm. we turn into these little five-year-old girls who are just like, let's try this and let's try that. and Let's try this. And we're all over Pinterest. And that kind of made me started to think about what I did in a different way. It's not just, I'm not just blogging my outfits. I'm actually directing the entire photo shoot. I'm picking out the photographer. I'm picking, doing my hair and makeup. I'm styling the props. I'm styling my outfit. I'm styling the location. I'm telling the narrative. And then I was like, okay, I like this. I mm-hmm. mean, um, that's actually how I started making um, money for a little bit before I was able to land big brand partnerships. My photographers and I would actually pitch content and creative direction packages to the two small brands themselves. Smart. So um, when we used to travel, like let's say we just picked a place. A lot of people think like, oh, bloggers just get reached out to by hotels and airlines to just fly them around. No. A lot of us Mm -hmm. just plan our own trips and then find brand partnerships to take along with us. And so what we would do is we'd pick a place like a destination, let's say Cabo, and we would reach out to small brands and say, hey, we can deliver 50 photos for you and we can shoot five outfits for you. And this Mm -hmm. is the rate and we'll cover your social media for whatever campaign. You don't have to think about it at all. You just send us the product.
1: And they like ate that up. Wow.
0: Wow. Yeah. So so, to smart. have two people do the job of like an agency. Imagine sending mm-hmm. six people
2: to Cabo to shoot. Yes, you know, you have the photographer, the model, the brand person, the makeup artist, the stylist.
1: Yep, That's wow, a lot. It costs a lot. When you made the leap and you left the bar business and went full time, did do you feel like? There's energetics to going all in. Like, did you have a little bit of a cushion, or d- was the leap the thing that kind of opened up more space and confidence for
2: 100%? Yes. Mm. So, I have a story that goes along with this. It actually ties back to Danny from Daisy LA. She yes. was like, You got to listen to Guy Roz's um, mm-hmm. How I Built This. So, I listened to the entire, like, every single episode uh, on a drive up to San Francisco once, back to back. And I realized that. Every episode, every entrepreneur that he featured had the same thing in common. It was they had to take a giant leap of faith on themselves. How can an investor invest in you and your business if you are not showing them that you're 100% in? And that was what really hit me.
1: I was like, oh.
2: Um, And so, yeah, I quit the bar. I jumped. And then went all in. And I went all in and I, I doubled my income.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's what we, that's what ours too. So crazy. I'll never forget. Scary though, you know? Yeah. I was like trying to think of how we've gotten from here to like a, you know, a certain point. And I was like, damn, it was when we quit. Mm-hmm. So weird. But I've quit unsuccessfully too. You have to have a certain amount of momentum. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. I quit when I had like zero momentum. I was like, <laughs> I will, that's exactly. Like, I was like, I'll create the momentum. I thought I would create the momentum, but it's like, that is our advice for people. Make sure that you have, like enough money in your bank account, a plan. Yeah. Money coming in. Because I think it was, I I kind of got that same idea of like, oh, I got to quit and, and go all in and do all these things. And it's like, no, that's actually not my financial situation. I right. couldn't just do that. It didn't really make sense. So you left. And then I feel like even to now, it's like your evolution from like being a blogger influencer, even to now, it's like I felt the change from being less about you doing the shoots and creative direction to being like, I'm going to share this like sides of my life in more detail, even though I've always felt like you've been doing that. And it probably started a lot with motherhood, getting pregnant and then, you know, being a mom. Can you talk about the impact of motherhood on what you're sharing and just like who you are as a business person and then who you are individually?
2: I think I knew going into motherhood that I was going to want to talk a lot about it. My mom, like I said, she was a fashion major, but she actually ended up in child education family child education. So Mm. she did parent education for a long time. Now she runs a part of the St. Paul School District for early childhood family education. So I grew up like with her doing her doctorate on, you know, how to parent. Mm. And so I was always like, I can't wait to experiment these philosophies (laughs) and try them out on my own (laughs) guinea pig child. Um, So I was like, so psyched to be a mom and to talk about that journey with my audience, and it felt really natural to lean into that because of everything that I've learned from being her daughter. But then, you know, a part of my identity was so wrapped up in the photo shoots and traveling and having those creative director uh, roles being filled. And so, when I stepped away from that for a certain amount of time, I st- I started to ache for it so I, I was very very much enjoying I'm a seven on the Enneagram do you, do I'm you a nine, nine one. one i'm
1: a I don't know a lot about I'm the enneagram
2: the best one. i'm the I'm the <laughs> person who likes to try new things. Yes okay. so mm. pregnancy really worked for me because mm. I was so excited about the novelty of it. Yes, mm. but then when that wore off, I definitely was like, "Who am I? What <laughs> is my purpose <laughs> mm-hmm. what, Who am I outside of being a mom?"
1: And I'm still trying to figure that out. Mm. Mm. In pregnancy in particular, like how did you deal with body changes? Were there mental challenges, relationship changes? Have Like bringing a human being into the world, what is this going to mean for both of you, your career? What was like that pregnancy period like? Let's unpack this. This is where it
2: gets fun because I went on an SSRI the month that I got pregnant. Just happened to line up where mm. 2019 was a really... Amazing year for me. I will say it's probably the most prolific year of my life. Mm -hmm. But because I did so much, I was so burnt out. By the end of the year, I was crying every single day. Mm -hmm. And I talked to my therapist, talked to my psychiatrist. They were like, why don't you at least try this? We can start you on a really low dose. And then the next month, I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. So um, I can't say there was such a strong tie between you know, going on Zoloft and figuring out how it impacted my mental health and then also pregnancy at the same time that I'm not really able to differentiate mm-hmm. the effects mm-hmm. of both. Mm-hmm. But I will say I loved being pregnant. I loved everything that it did to my body. I mm-hmm. loved feeling the feels. I loved feeling sick. Mm-hmm. I love like, I loved trying. I just loved trying mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I had a semi-easy first half of my pregnancy and then the second half of my pregnancy... um I developed pretty bad carpal tunnel. I actually didn't know this was a thing during pregnancy, but my entire hands were numb.
1: Whoa. Really? Yeah. Um, was there like a nerve being... Par- like, yeah, what I, is- think that,
2: I think it's something about the swelling in your wrists. Oh. Um, but it's similar to carpal tunnel. And uh, yeah, for about six months total, so three months of the pregnancy and three months after the pregnancy, my whole Could hands you work? were numb. I mean, it was... You know, imagine doing your makeup yes. with numb fingers. Wow. Wow. You know, it was annoying. Yes. But, you know, every, everyone always says, like, you pick your pregnancy card. There's generally one yeah. thing that's going to be rough. And for me, it was that. And then also, I had um, a condition called cholestasis, mm-hmm. which is where the liver creates a bunch of bile. And you mm-hmm. have to actually deliver the baby early. Otherwise, you, it can be life-threatening for both of you. So I delivered three weeks early. um, And then I also had preeclampsia, which was another Mm. fun complication. But I am just the personality type where I really like, I don't know. I just was like, this is the human experience and I feel so alive. And even
0: though there were scary things happening, I was just so excited to, to do it. Yeah. Did you have any shame around getting on an SSRI? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there was at first, I was like, oh my God, is this... Is this bad. I did
2: the research. Um, luckily, my sister was pregnant the year before me. She had been on, I think it was Prozac. I actually am not sure, but she had been on one of the antidepressants that you, you are not advised to stay on during pregnancy. So when she got pregnant, she weaned herself off of that one and went on to, um, I think, Zoloft and something else as well. So I actually knew that Zoloft was one of the safe ones Um, because of her experience. But I know a lot of people don't know that there are some that you can take and some that are not advised to take. I also knew, and I talked about this with my OB, that the state that my current body was in, where I was crying every single day, that amount of stress, she said, would be so far more worse for a developing fetus in your body than for the small amount of, weaning that he might have to go off of Mm. when, you know, he stops receiving that through
1: the placenta. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean,
2: I I like to trust scientists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. they say it's okay. I'm going to just go ahead and say.
1: Totally. Did you have to deal with any just general like judgment, like mommy judgment? Not not
2: mommy judgment, but when, so uh, like I said, I delivered three weeks early and he came naturally three weeks early. Oh, wow. But the doctors in the um, NICU. I trust them and I wanted to trust them completely, but they made it seem as if when he was in the NICU that the reason he had to stay as long as he did was because of the SSRI. Mm. When I had preeclampsia, I had cholestasis, he was on an antibiotic because he had meconium um, in his lungs. Mm. There were multiple reasons why he could have, you know, needed a little bit of extra time, but they were like, it's definitely this. And that mm. just made me feel really gross.
1: Wow. Yeah. Um, What's meconium?
2: It's when you poop. Okay. Mm. okay. Um, so the baby poops during labor. And yeah. so um, if there is any of that, when they come out, they suction out their lungs Ooh. to make sure it doesn't cause infection. Mm. So... Um, mm-hmm. and then they put him on an antibiotic wow so then there was shame right after you yeah. gave birth a little bit mm. oh yeah wow I was, and they yeah it was, I'm trying to be accepting because yes. you know mm-hmm. it's a part of my story and I mm-hmm. appreciate all the, no, the nurses were so wonderful in the NICU mm-hmm. I just wanted to get home yes. yeah yeah and wow. then he got COVID from in the NICU? first pediatrician's office visit wow after two days of being home from the NICU we took him to his pediatrician's His pediatrician had COVID, didn't know at the time, calls me two days later and says, there's no way your son's going to get it. But I just wanted to give you a heads up that I had COVID. And then we were back to the pick you, and we went back to the hospital and I quarantined. So imagine this. We wake up in the middle of the night, baby's crying. He has a fever. In my head, I'm like, this happens all the time. Babies have fevers all the time. It's no big deal. But since he was only 14 days old, we called the pediatrician. They were like, you should take him in just to get him checked out. And this was after she had told us that somebody from the office had COVID. Sure. So in my head, I'm like, oh my God, did he have COVID? But I was like, the chances are so small. We go in, he does all the testing. I'm up with him all night till 7 a.m. in the morning. He's, he gets blood work, a spinal tap. Like, I oh, oh, watched my oh. baby get a spinal tap. It was <clears throat> so difficult. And then the last test that they did was the COVID test. And it came back positive. And I didn't have any of my stuff with me. They were like, okay, we're going to have to take him up to the PICU and quarantine him now. And like, because we had had to monitor him, but they were like, we have to put him in a quarantine space. And I was nursing him. So I was then like, oh, okay, I guess I'll be here quarantining too. So And they allowed you to do that. Yeah, but they didn't allow my husband to. They almost didn't let him bring me a bag. I was like, I need my antidepressants. So yeah. y'all better allow me yes. to yes. let him bring me some pajamas and my toothbrush and wow.
0: So you were in the quarantine room for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Just you two.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: this was 14 days after I'd given birth.
1: Oh my God, And we'd already spent
0: a week in the NICU. Wow.
2: <laughs> wow. So yeah, that was a fun, that was a fun time. But you know what? The w- most beautiful thing about it is that people kept asking me like, are you just, are you torn apart? Is this so hard? And I was like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm rallying because I have to rally. Yeah. There's no choice. And the beautiful thing about motherhood is, is you find a strength in you you didn't know you had. Mm. And there's, yeah.
0: Wow. It was wonderful. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's almost there's just no option. Yeah. Yes. You have to. I had to be be strong for my little dude. Yes. Mm-hmm. And not seeing your husband for two weeks, that would be so hard yeah. after you just had the baby. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, I think of it from his perspective too. Like yes. he was just
2: at home like, mm-hmm. where's my new baby? Wow. He got a lot of sleep though. So honestly, on to him.
0: <laughs> Rocking it. Um, and then that's another thing, you know, you share about <clears throat> really openly is your marriage and just having hard times. Oh yeah. Um, I'd love to just explore that a little bit as much as you feel comfortable. Absolutely. So we started, Alex and I started going to
2: therapy together after his father passed. Um because it was a no brainer for us. We were both going through a loss, and then we were both also, you know, going through that tr- transition of losing part of our dreams and our identities with putting these entertainment goals on pause. And so, um, he he's, I mean, he's a wonderful communicator, one of the best I've ever ever met. Actually, he is so open and honest about his feelings, and he is so. He does not attack you. Like he's so good at like speaking from the heart. And um, we had so many aha moments in our therapy that we would go back to therapy every time we needed like a little fine tuning in our relationship, which has been often. But we, were, we talk about it a lot um, because it's been so helpful for us. But it's never like you go and you've arrived, right? We always go and then we fall back into pretty much the exact same problems. And then we we'll have to go again for a little bit, and then
1: you know, mm-hmm. yeah, we forget so quickly.
2: Yeah, I don't know but if I truly. Be- Guys, I'm on the fence about
1: like, can we really change? I know, I think so.
2: Yeah, I want to believe mm-hmm. so, but
1: I think it just takes it. It's hard. There's so many things stimulating us on a day to day that to be fully aware in the moment mm-hmm. and not go into autopilot and not go into our yeah. usual reactions and responses is really hard it's because we. Hard. And especially in this type of environment that we're living through, and experience that we're living through, it's like I'm trying to find the comforts as much as possible. Yeah. And sometimes, if I'm in like kind of an uncomfortable conversation or experience with my partner, I'm like, I kind of just want to, hundred percent hit the road for a second <laughs> yep. and not deal with this because I just want to feel more comfortable. And that's usually just going into an autopilot response. And yeah, so I. I yeah, it's like one of those it's things really you're like, hard. I have enough
0: to do. Yeah, <laughs> <truly>. <laughs> To worry about how you feel is not on my list. Well, but you heard. add a
2: baby to the element and I we're like, we don't, we don't have time, a lot of time to talk in privacy. Totally. Right? So we end up talking on our walks. And that's actually, I think, the most successful part of our relationship is that we always walk the dogs together two times a day and talk. We're obviously all different people than we were in our, you know, 20s. Of course. So yes. we obviously do change. But yes. it's like, sometimes you just default back to... Mm-hmm. I know. Because it's Certain the deepest. Habits. You're
0: like, oh, I thought I was good on this. I always think like, I think I'm good. And then Justin, it's with that person. your like partner. It's just, you're 12. Again. Do you
2: guys have, is there someone in the relationship that is the person that calls the other person out? Mm. <laughs> like Alex has always oh, yeah. been the person Me, probably. that's like... Casey, you got to do this or I need you to do this or I need you to do this. And And what's your role? I'm just extremely, I'm from, I think maybe the Minnesotan in me is very, I don't like to ask people for things. I don't like Mm -hmm. to ask people to change and I don't like to tell people they're doing things wrong. It's like the most uncomfortable Mm -hmm. feeling for me. So for me, what I'm learning is is asking for what I need and being okay with saying Mm -hmm. what I want, but then also not being so personally attacked and offended and crushed
1: when he says what he needs and what he
0: Mm -hmm. wants.
1: Because when he says what he needs or what he wants, how does that, does that make you feel? Lack. lack. Makes me feel like I'm not enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same. I
0: I don't think a lot of, or I actually don't know a lot of men that speak that way. Yeah. Of what their needs and wants are. He's rare. And I feel like for women, I don't know a lot of women that speak it from like the heart of like a need and want. Sometimes it feels like it's coming from an expectation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or like, yeah, an expectation or something that just feels, yeah, not a true desire, but um, yeah, a desire that's kind of mislabeled. It's like, I want this, but it's actually you want like love. Yeah, You know, mm-hmm. I'm saying I want something else, but it's actually just love. So that sort of communication is powerful, mm-hmm. you know, but I can imagine for you feeling that way, that would totally make sense to me.
2: Our therapist definitely helped us get to like the root of mm-hmm. kind of both of our needs from each other. For Alex, it's his, is he needs to be heard. And so like, if I know that, approaching every single conflict, like if he's bothered by something or if he's upset with me or if he, some, if whatever it is, the root goes back to, he doesn't feel like I'm listening to him. Mm. Um, so that's really wonderful. And then for me, it's, I don't feel like I'm enough. Mm. Or I always feel like I'm doing too much and too little at the same time. Um, that's so real. That is so damn. Real.
0: I, I've heard that. But like saying that, it's like, damn, a lot of people feel like that. Yeah. Dude, Totally. Yes, I 100% agree. For Justin and I in our relationship, it's him feeling supported. And then me, it's me feeling connection, like feeling connected together. But I think finding that root is so important because then you can kind of have that word when you're like, okay, I'm seeing in the situation he could potentially feel not supported, or, you know, I'm seeking connection in the situation. Mm -hmm. How can we understand that to support each other?
2: Yeah. Oh, connecting is really hard these days. I'm sure. With right, the baby. Yeah, with the baby and just our interests have like totally changed. Mm. You know, I I actually listened to your recent podcast about spirituality and we're on totally different pages. Mm. Oh, tell me more. Mm. Um I am the eternal optimist. I will always see everything through I don't know, rose color. I don't know if it's rose colored glasses. Yeah. It's it's really more just like I have acceptance for life's beautiful spectrum of emotions and the highs and the lows and everything, um, and I always try and find a way to learn from a hard situation. Or if someone has done something bad, I'll always try and see how their intentions could have been good. Mm-hmm. Um, then that's just who I am. It's such a compassion is such a huge element of yeah. my identity. Mm-hmm. And for him, he, you know, he lost his dad in a very tragic way and very sudden way. And he has never healed from it. And he is very nihilistic when it comes to the universe and the world. And I don't blame him for that because of what he went through.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Gosh, yeah. That's so real. How have you been? That's so real. Do you have conversations about those differing beliefs or is it just kind of, that's what it is right now?
2: sometimes yeah. we we always get there because that's really the root of a lot of our conflict. Um, but, you know, right now, it, it manifests itself sometimes in uh, our sexual life. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because women, I mean, I feel like I need to be spiritually and emotionally connected. Yes. Um, a lot of um, And, like, uh, yeah, if he's not willing to address those mm-hmm. things or those topics, mm-hmm. like, I can't always get there mm-hmm. to that sort of like cosmic feeling of yeah. connection that yes. I felt with, mm-hmm. in other relationships. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Yeah, I think very for... very real. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> for guys, it's, it's so hard, but so simple. Like sex with women, if you're in that uh, heterosexual relationship, because it's like, you have to listen to me and like talk to me. And there's so much if like there's stuff unsaid, you can't get there. It's like... I find it personally hard to be in a space of like feeling fully connected and sexual and liberated when there is things that are unsaid. Yeah. You know, it's kind of just like, but I feel like men can have it without oh, that. Yeah. Total. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, well, and you know, he I have to give my
2: husband a lot of credit because hes re, he's been so patient with the healing process yeah. after birth. I had an episiotomy, mm-hmm. which is where they give you a little Hot. snippy snip yeah. uh, to get the baby out. Mm. and um, it's a little bit harder to heal from an just because of the way that the scar tissue heals. Yeah, um, And psychologically, I have a lot of pain still um, with sex, and he's been so patient with trying to figure that out and navigate that um, because if you're telling yourself it's going to hurt, it's yeah, going to hurt, it's going to hurt, then it's going to hurt. Yes. For sure. Um, and then also there's the element of being on an SSRI and... Totally, I don't know if you guys are aware, but it limits the fuck mm-hmm. out of mm-hmm. your ability libido, to libido, and yeah. an ability to orgasm. So, wow. oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we are going through it, but
0: he's
2: he's been really yeah. patient about it, and
0: yeah, I think it's the nat- natural progress of motherhood too. Because mm-hmm. I was just talking to another mother friend of ours about this, and it's like. It's just a part of the phases of life. It's like sometimes you're having less sex. Sometimes you're feeling less connected. Sometimes you're more. Mm-hmm. And I think for women that have had children, it's really liberating to hear you say that. And yes. I think even people that are in a relationship just being honest about like their sexual connection or feeling sexy or not feeling into it. And I feel like that's a very common theme for a lot of people, but they don't feel like they could talk about it.
2: I feel like there's there's a lot of shame in it. Yeah. There's a lot of, it's, it's, it's on me. Yeah. It's my fault um, that I, like sex doesn't work for me right now.
0: Mm-hmm. It just doesn't.
2: Like I could, I could watch a lot of porn. I could <laughs> use a vibrator. I could do a lot of things to try and get there. And I,
0: and I'm, mm-hmm. and it's,
2: it's, it's, there's shame. Yes. Associated with it. It's like, is my, am I broken? Yes. And, um And what do I need to do to heal? And, um, there aren't a ton of options out there for women with like sexual therapy. Mm-hmm. Like how do we address these things because every pretty much most women I know who are moms have gone
0: through this period
1: mm-hmm. after they have a baby. Sure.
0: What's that? Uh, There's a Goop show now. It's like Goop Sex Love and something. Yeah, Sex Love and Goop and they t- they do like a therapy process, a therapeutic process for like women's sexual liberation mm-hmm. and it's a woman that's an expert that actually gives the woman an orgasm. Okay. I've herself. never heard of that. Yeah. She does it for like 30 days. It's crazy. You in? Yeah, so, you wait, in. Okay. I got a solution. I have... <laughs> get, let a stranger get you off. <laughs> I, have, I have a similar
2: thing. So, this company reached out to me from Beverly Hills called Le Menu, which means the kitten. Mm. Have you heard of it? I think they reached out to me too. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> dude. don't let that one sleep in your inbox. <laughs> dude, I actually... <laughs> Did you Say do it? More. Okay. okay, Okay, hold on. on. So, they reached out and they were like, we are investing in you know women's sexual health and wellness, and we want to raise awareness for this um, you know industry because yes. the men's sexual health and wellness industry like is billions and billions worth billions, mm-hmm. but women's it's like nothing little peanuts um, so they created this space in Beverly Hills where you can go and you can talk to like licensed nurse and practitioner about your sexual needs and about just you know, sexual health in general, whether it's mental health or physical, mm. and um, they have certain treatments that they can help you with. One of the first ones is they use a radio frequency uh, wand to essentially increase blood flow and collagen production in the labia
1: mm.
2: and inside the vagina as well. And so they literally—it's like getting a facial I for like it. your vagina—and oh. it's meant to heal the tissue. Mm. And so you can do that. That's one of the things they offer. They offer hormone therapy, but then they also offer the O shot. Have you heard of it? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> they do. They do. Assist, you know the vampire
1: facial, which yes. is where
2: they take your the platelets right. from your blood. and they- she
1: doesn't like blood. Keep going though. <laughs> I don't. Dude, <laughs> lately, it's, your ears. everything's been my nightmare.
0: With-
2: yes. <laughs> and don't listen to this one. <laughs> I literally okay. I'm, I need to grow up. Okay. <laughs> Are you… I don't know. If you can't do blood or needles, you might not want to hear that. But this. you okay. did acupuncture in your… I did acupuncture hoo-ha. in my puss. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. so,
0: okay, so, this is not far off. It's not. Okay.
2: <laughs> so, the O shot is essentially they take the platelets from your own blood and they insert it back mm-hmm. into your clitoris. Mm. Got it. I'm thinking about something else so you could… Okay. So, yeah. So, this is another <laughs> service that they offer um, and it apparently will last… If you get the shot, it will last for like a year. The wow. Of it. And it's supposed to give you… A wonderful orgasm. So are we wow. partnering
0: or what? I, I've not tried this yet. Did you cool. try the the loop, the first one? Yes, I cool. did try the
2: the radio frequency wand, and I can't remember the name of the therapy off the top of my head. Um, but I did try one session of that. It was extremely great, comfortable. It worked really well, um, and the nurse that you know I was working with, she felt made me feel so comfortable oh. in the room. I, It wasn't awkward.
1: It was like, you know, there were candles, but it was like a little spotted. Mm. Oh, I love that. I think we like underestimate like these little things that kind of add to our libido or mm. getting in the mood or feeling comfortable feeling in our bodies. Totally. And even if it was just psychosomatic, yes. the, the healing of
2: it, I'm mm-hmm. like, sign me up. Yes. yes.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, that's obviously, I think that's pretty obvious, a main difference between men and women because I feel like men don't need kind of the emotional foreplay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or self-care foreplay. But like, I mean, I feel like it makes such a difference when mm-hmm. you're taking care of yourself or when you are having like- I'm
0: just laughing. <laughs> I just, I'm just laughing. thinking about Justin, my husband. He'll walk up to me and be like, it's time to touch. And that means like, it's time to have sex. I'm like, oh, we haven't even like kissed. Oh so, okay. okay, wait, what are your cues?
1: Um, My cues-
0: Yours is sex. typically Shaman.
1: Or- <laughs> oh yeah, he-, yeah. he I know. I'm trying to think. I feel like… You guys are What's earlier your routine? on. What's, oh, our routine. Well, he laughs because I, I love… And what turns me on, at least for myself, is like being clean. Like taking mm-hmm. a cool. long shower. Yeah, I lo- I, I love like taking a shower together, starting in there, and then taking it out. Because, and he laughs at me. He's like, I don't care if you're clean or not. I don't care of, mm-hmm. about anything. I'm like, I just like it. Yeah. Yes. I like it. Um, OCD
0: makes you horny. Yeah,
1: Matt, he loves my OCD. <laughs> <laughs> but We're still not early. I mean, it's two years, but like we still, I mean, we just communicate. He'll be like, I'm really, mm-hmm. really tired. I just want to like touch. And sometimes like just communicating, he and I have gotten to a point where like, there are times when I'm so tired at night, yeah. you know? And and he's, sometimes he's like, is it okay if sometimes I ask you to have sex? And like, if you don't fully want to, like hands out, do not want to, you can say no. But if if it's Respect. like kind of a half-assed, I don't mind. I don't mind if you're just Respect. laying on your side. And I was like, cool, because I don't mind either. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. 100%. It's those moments where, as women, we feel like we need to put on a performance or we need to be perfect or at a hundred. And I was like, oh, you don't need that, and it, that's fine with me. It if can this, be lazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be lazy. Yes. Like, this is
2: really embarrassing, but like right now, my breasts are feeling up. Right no. <laughs> Oh, and I don't know psychologically what that means, but if apparently I'm getting a visual. Yes,
1: yes, <laughs> that's hilarious. You have to press on them to
0: stop <laughs> the milk from coming. You're like, hold on, milk. Wait, what's your what's your si- signature or your signal? So that
2: oh, so for boobs or for sex? For sex. Uh ah, so for sex. Um, for Alex, he's also similar to your partner, where it's like he's totally okay with saying, "I I need this." Mm-hmm. Um, is it okay if we do this? Respect. Yeah. Yep. Um, and just being frank about it. And for me, I, um, I really like to put on something
1: sexy. Yeah, oh, man. It so totally. for me, i like, for me sit
2: here while I go put on something cute. Yes. And then I like to do a little dance. Mm, like, makes sometimes sense. I put on wigs. Oh, oh I love, I, love I feel really hot in a wig. So for me, it's That's about, so I gotta, I gotta fun. feel yes. like. Oh, good sex a is dance.
1: all about how you feel about yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you feel Yo, sexy… lingerie is underrated. It's
0: funny because it's like we've reclaimed lingerie. Because I remember I used to put on lingerie in like high school. Yeah, Like, I was trying to spice it up. We'd been dating for two months. Like, it was so bizarre. I used to wear lingerie all the time for other people. And now that I go, oh, no, it's like reclaiming mm-hmm. that. It's like, no, this is like literally for me. Yes. yes. So, I like to feel that sexiness. Yes. Of, um
2: than other times where we just look at each other and we go wanna go lay in bed naked (laughs) yeah and we just take off all our clothes and lay in bed naked together and that usually helps
1: yes
0: Yes. get the skin totally totally. yeah that is I was just thinking Justin like a few weeks ago it was like quarantine time I was only wearing my sweatshirt that I wear like you know you have the outfit Hmm? that ratty old outfit you wear he was like you should change I was like I was like what he was like can you change I was like, do you want me to change? <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah, I'll change. I'm like, sure, I can change. Can you be more specific? Yeah, he was like so nervous to ask me to change out of my nasty ass clothes to hook up. And I kind of, I respected it. I was like, um, I am happy to change. <laughs> I respect that. I respect that. I ask my husband to change all
2: the time. <laughs> <There>
1: yeah, <you> do. <laughs> but please take off that outfit. Are you seriously going out in that?
2: Yes. <laughs> I'm the worst.
1: Um, can we talk about Max for a second? <gasps> yeah. Can you describe— Who Max, is Max? Who is— Because I feel like when I see pictures of Max, I do not know Max, but I feel like his soul is so— old yes. and beautiful and like there's just, there's like a he's cosmic a family yeah. connection happening that's really cool. We've definitely lived past lives together. Mm-hmm. If you are listening,
2: you don't know who Max is. He's my baby. Mm-hmm. And he's an old soul. Yes, Yeah. You just look at his face and he has so many expressions and he has so much depth <laughs> to his eyes. Yes.
0: It's it's eerie at times. Yeah. It mm-hmm. gives me hope. Really? Yeah. yeah. Like It gives me hope when I see babies that are that with it. Mm-hmm. that you could almost hear them oh, talking rainbow to baby. you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that. You're like, what are you, you're talking to me. And I know that we're
2: yeah. having mm-hmm. this
0: conversation, but how has he changed you?
2: Oh, my. well, first off, when you have a baby, you are immediately, you have a whole new purpose. Mm-hmm. And I know that's like the cheesiest thing to say, but you do start, because up until this point in my life, my children have been this mystery, right? It's like I don't know who they're going to be, so I can't project them into my future. But the minute you meet your baby, you know the sex of the baby, you've named them. Um, you, your brain gets this whole new category of things to fill, to like project out into your future, so you can go, oh, I can't wait for when Max goes to preschool. Oh, I can't wait till we take him to an amusement park for the first time or the science museum for the first time. Or, oh my gosh, I can just see me like, you know, standing there cheering him on when he's doing whatever activity, art, sport he is into. So you can finally get a a different visual for how your life is going to play out. I know that in 10 years, he's going to be, you know, 10 or 11 and i and that's the stage of my life that i'm going to be in and it's almost as like it gives you like this certainty of the next phases of mm. the parts of your life that you know i don't like thinking about the rest of my life as it's just like open ended wishy washy mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. like i love that there's structure to it now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah. and then the other thing is that i love that i get to now see the the world through the lens of a little boy mm. Um, like, I only know what it's like being a girl and I have a sister. So, I'm very excited to see like what that's going to be like with him. Yes. It's a little science experiment. <laughs> yes. What's his personality like? Um. Well, right now, <laughs> right now, all he wants to do is cling to me. He is very much mm-hmm. a mama's boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm in the room, he is right next to me. hmm which makes it very hard to multitask. So generally, if I need to be productive, I need to set very specific boundaries and parameters of, for my time where we're not together. Um, but that allows me to be more present when we are together. Yeah. And luckily, we have great support. Um, Alex's mom, Karen, moved here from Chicago mm-hmm. to help us. Um, wow, the, so key. Yeah, she's a amazing. fierce woman. Like Lived her entire life in Chicago, um, quit her job during the pandemic and moved out. To California, first time she's ever left. She was in the home that Alex was living in when he was born. Mm. So she like took a huge leap of faith to come out and be with us.
0: Oh my God.
2: How's she, that been? Freaking amazing. She's a gem. She's I hit the jackpot. Oh with the mother in law situation. Oh. Mm. So happy for you.
0: Well, this has been so much fun. Yeah, Long time. I'm so coming. happy I'm we so did excited. this. I've been talking to you forever and ever. This has been so good. Um, what is one thing you're excited about that you want to share with our audience? Ooh, I'm going to a bachelorette party in Mexico. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Mama's first <laughs> weekend yeah. away. That was like the Dude, that's like,
2: amazing. So I knew the answer for that right <laughs> yes. away. Because I it is gonna be the first time I've ever spent the night away from Max. Um, so I'll get like a full night's sleep in a hotel room. I get to like dress up, get fancy, hang out with my girlfriends. Say no more.
1: I mean, hotel robes. Yeah, The whole sitch. Yes. Your body to yourself. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't know what Max is going to do. Like we really don't have a great game plan for how he's going to (laughs) cope, but we've got a storage of breast milk in the freezer. Okay.
1: It's almost like you, it's almost like. With him because he is so kind of like conscious and aware. You can have a conversation.
0: Yeah. That's yes. very real. 100%. That's a hundred percent. You That's know. A great idea. Listen up.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> she, she does this with her cat. I do that with my cat. Hey, today's going to be like two interviews. Yep. and We'll get time later, but I just want you to know. Yep. We have friends coming over. You might want to hide in the closet.
2: <laughs> That's so brilliant. Especially yeah. for kids. It's so you important. Should. Even if you don't think they understand you, they do. Oh, I don't Absolutely. know if you remember that.
0: Like someone in your life when you were a kid that treated you like an adult. Mm-hmm. in a mm. in a positive way. I always yeah. loved that. Literally felt, nothing felt better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, My mom. mom would talk to 15-year-olds like they're five. <laughs> She'd be like, oh, you want to go? They're like, I'm having sex. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I literally never, heard. and then my dad would treat everyone like they're an adult. Mm-hmm. I love that. Just like, with respect. Mm. Yeah, you learn yeah. respect. From your parents. I can't wait yeah. to see your bachelorette photos. Um. You're going to be so excited. <laughs> Just wait until you
2: see the outfits.
0: The fits yes. are so planned. The fits fight. are sick. Um, well, your Instagram is one of my faves. Officially yes. Quigley. Um, mm-hmm. TikTok's officially. Quigley officially. Yeah, Quigley official. Yeah. Quigley well, officially. Actually, I don't know what my TikTok is. Yeah, well, it's then It's officially. We'll see. Yeah. Website is officiallyquigley.com. <laughs> and then what's social? Your, your school. Yes, yeah. the yeah. social
2: media. Okay. S-O-U-L. S-O-U-L. Yes. Right? Yes. So good. We love you. Thanks Incredible. so much. I'll Thank
0: you, you for having me. Okay, Bye. bye <laughs> Thank you so much, Quigs. That was so much fun. OfficiallyQuigly.com. OfficiallyQuigly on Instagram. And again, she has her social media program that you can dig into. And for
1: all of you that are new to Almost 30 or OGs, you know... Hopefully you know Camp is coming up. Camp almost 30 happens twice a year. This is a celebration to kick off the enrollment of our membership and really just to celebrate you all. So that is happening on January 22nd, 2022. It is live. It is truly once in a lifetime. The lineup is so stacked. Can't wait for you to see. Go to almost30.com/camp for more info to sign up. It is completely free, completely free. And enrollment for membership is going to be open right after camp. So we get messages on a weekly basis asking when membership is going to be open. It's such a special place where Krista and I are really pouring so much of our time and energy into. We do live hangs every month, workshops. We have downloadables, just ways to support you in your evolution. Um, We have a monthly theme that we just love to dig into all together. So cannot wait to welcome you.
0: Cannot wait to welcome you all in the membership. We will see you on the next episode. Thank you for reviewing and rating and subscribing. It means so much to Lindsay and I. We're excited to do 2022 together. I cannot believe that we've been, you know, growing together for so long. It's been such a dream. We love you so much and we'll see you soon. Love you.